Hello, everybody. Live from a windy day in Koreatown, Los Angeles. Home of the Super Bowl-bound Los Angeles Rams. It's the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, the Icons. Let's get right into it, folks. We know what we're here for. We're here for a recap on a Monday about a wild weekend in sports. I mean, some crazy stuff. And you're nuts. And you're nuts. I'm crazy, and he's nuts. Yeah. Oh, man. How you feeling? Good. Wow. Wow. What a weekend. Action packed. Action Jackson. Uh, and you know, but we're going to start with one, one thing that, that we'll get into the football. But let's start with this card where they were trying to claim the pay per view is dead. I'm very interested to see what the numbers will be on the Manny Pacquiao Adrian Broner fight. Um, as expected, Manny Pacquiao dominated Adrian Broner, a disciplineless, integrityless boxer who's a waste of talent. Eyes without a face. Uh, just, uh, eyes without a face. Eyes without a face. He's not Speaking of eyes, in this bout, Manny Pacquiao looks like he may have suffered a detached retina. He may be dealing with that Sugar Ray Leonard, and that could signal the end of his career. Well, you know what? He's had a great weekend and a bad weekend all wrapped into oh, one. Right? They broke into his house. Now he had, maybe has a detached retina, and it could be a blessing in disguise because then that would stop him from being able to fight and being demolished by somebody in the ring. Yeah, by one of these young guys who is serious about yes, fighting. and tarnish his, his, his legacy. His legacy and his, his quality of life, potentially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they said he was battling the stomach flu. So it's, it's been a... Uh, it's been a tricky situation for Manny. Love, I always love watching Manny Pacquiao fight because he's always game to fight. But it was clear that Manny Pacquiao is a shell of himself of what he was, as expected. I mean, the only— Which you can't be mad at. He did his thing. He's 40 years old. You're not supposed to fight. He's a 40-year-old, I think, eight-division weight, to the only eight-division champion in the history of and boxing. And he's beating elite fighters still. I don't know about elite fighters, but he's beating—, he's beating What about your boy Matisse? It's not elite. He's also shot, but he was. He's better than them. the The point he, is, is that his talent is generational. Right. And even when you're a shell of yourself, when you had that kind of generational talent, it translates. Yes. Just plain and simple. Yeah. And the only person that it would be feasible for him to fight would be Floyd Mayweather. Besides that, there, there's really nobody. And that's and that's only because you feel like a fight between those two old dudes. No one would get seriously hurt. They could all make a whole bunch of money. You know, it is what it is. But. I, I actually think neither one of them should fight anymore. And Manny was in there against Adrian Broner. The times when Adrian Broner did let his hands go, he connected. He connected. It wasn't like it wasn't like Manny was hard to find. Right. He was hard to find when he kept trying to do that same move. He right. kept trying to land that left hook. But that right straight down the pipe was there. But one of the things that you can see with Manny, even though he couldn't, you know, his reflexes aren't there, what you saw was that he still had a game plan, you know, and he went about executing it, trying to figure out what Broner was doing early, even though he was the busier fighter about maybe three times the amount of punches thrown. Yeah, I mean, the the numbers were absurd. Yeah, and uh, Broner— The guy landed 50 punches the whole fight. <laughs> and he, he only threw two hundred, I think two hundred punches the whole fight. Two hundred, two ninety five is the whole he, fight. And he's blaming it on the the, the refs. The guy This is I can't nerve, roll. <laughs> I, this guy had the nerve to say that they got us. The, the Jim Gray came out with facts and said, Well, you only threw two hundred punches, you only landed fifty punches. Well, I can see off the top that you already against me. <laughs> <laughs> you're against yourself. You were against yourself. You didn't throw punches. Because actually at this point you're a superior athlete to make exactly. out and you chose to do what you always do, which is to shrink in the big moment. Right. 
I don't even think that he shrinks in the big moment. I never thought he had the size to, to shrink. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. He was a champ, and he did when he was smaller. He was effective. When he was fighting in 130, he could still be effective. He effective. He's a head case. That's He's his, a head. That's the that's the biggest problem. His lack of discipline in life translates inside of the ring because you cannot think that that doesn't cross into the ring when you got a guy who's just running amok in the cities during before the fight and then get in the ring and see think you're going to see a different person floyd has an image he plays the game yeah he's but, playing the role but you've never seen floyd not prepared not once you have never seen him floyd not, is ready to go right now today whatever and i'm see, not even a mayweather fan uh, no but, but, but I, you have to respect the guy respect that comes in shape yes. every time and with the game plan and the lights have never been too bright no and he executes and he executes you have to respect that. Yeah. There's no two ways about yeah. that. You Broner, Broner wants to talk the talk, but he doesn't want to pay the cost. That's you it. They just preach. He don't want to pay the and, cost. Uh, when you preach, you preach. And when you, the cost is the call, you throw the jab. <laughs> and you want to counterpunch. <laughs> you counterpunch in God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never been to the African-American church, <laughs> that was the experience. That was a short version, shorthand version of the experience. It's, it's very enjoyable. Sometimes it goes a little bit long, <laughs> but it's very enjoyable. But, yeah, so – you know, the fight was uh, anticlimactic in certain ways, and primarily because when Manny Pacquiao connected with Adrian Broner's body, Adrian Broner found a bicycle. I didn't even see one in the ring. He found a bicycle, he, he got on it, and he ran the rest of the fight. But he couldn't find his specs because he kept looking up at the clock trying to see when, <laughs> how long the round was, how much time he had left I in mean, the round. I mean, this guy was looking at two minutes left in the round. One minute into the round, he's looking at the clock. That's a bad look. If you've ever look. trained as a boxer before, when the bell hits and you got two minutes left, you feel like you're, you, <laughs> you're just going to pass out. You don't want that. And that's without Manny Pacquiao coming for you. Yeah. It's, it's just poorly played all the way around with him. And it's just unfortunate because you can see that he has potential. And he still had – he has potential – and he had potential. I don't know if you can, you know, mesh it together in yeah. any form or fashion. Well, there's a certain point when, when you no longer have potential, you're just a waste. That's what, and I feel like right now Adrian Broner's wasted. <laughs> I don't I don't see anybody at the one forty seven level that he can beat. I don't see any name that anybody Not knows without throwing punches, you he, can't beat anybody. No, no, no. Throwing punches, not throwing punches. Sean Porter already beat him. Uh, uh, Chino was Michael, the one who, Mikey Garcia, who, who, who Garcia exposed him. Mikey Garcia destroyed him at 135. Yeah. Um, I don't think he could beat Regis at, at Regis Progray. No. I don't think he can beat Rougarou at 140. No. He can't beat Terrence Crawford. He can't beat Earl Spence. He can't beat Keith Thurman. He can't beat, I don't, I don't see anybody. I think he would have beat. a better chance against Keith Thurman than anybody, but Keith Thurman. I don't I actually think Keith Thurman might knock him out. Really? Yeah. Because Adrian doesn't throw any punches. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And then, you know, the the buffoonery afterwards, oh, I'm doing it all for the hood, on God and them, and they got us. You know what? People need to stop this. Yeah. Just take responsibility for your display and your performance. You went out there and you gave a subpar performance. But in, you this, is, up. this is indicative of where we are in the culture of America right now. Because it's never, you can never just say, you know what, actually, I had a bad podcast today. No, it's it's always somebody else's fault. It was always it's always somebody else's responsibility. It's somebody else's fault. Oh, there wasn't enough where to talk about. Where did he get about. the get the thing from where he was dominating the the fight and dictating the pace and the action? He's delusional. And you know what they're paying Is him? Is he to bipolar, be you think? 
I, I said that before in the podcast when we said we weren't going to mention him anymore, and he's wiggled his way back into our our lives. He's weaseled his way back in by fighting someone relevant, and it's really unfortunate. And it seems like what Al Heyman and PBC has done is is they wanted to gauge. They know that Broner's a clown. Yeah. Um, and they, he wanted to gauge whether or not how what level Manny is on, so he can see who he can use as a draw. With Manny's draw that he always is, right, and now hopefully this injury heals up, but hopefully it heals up and doesn't allow him to fight anymore. Because I would like to see Senator Manny Pacquiao just take his to the house and live his fruitful, abundant life, and you know walk in his faith. Yeah, because he did There's it. Nothing wrong with that. Seventy fights. Come on, man, you did it. You did it. You were and even the last few that he lost, he really didn't lose them. No. He beat Jeff Horn. He he beat the brakes off of Jeff Horn. He beat Jeff Horn. The nasty loss that you got on his record for Tim Bradley, who he beat. Yes. All three times. Yes. Uh, there was one more in there that wasn't right that they got him on. I can't yeah, remember Yeah, there was, was one more. But it, it wasn't right. But, but you know, I I just, you know, hats off to the champ. I hope he heals up both his, his stomach and, uh, and, and his eyeball. And, you know, uh, on that card, though, that was actually a really good card. As you said, you were not interested in watching Badu Jack's fight. No, <laughs> and and it was it was funny. I was watching the fight, and I said to myself, "This is exactly why Trollin Terry doesn't want to watch Badu Jack." Badu Jack went in there taking punches, gave you the Badu, and got punished. He never came back, and partially because he had one of the worst gashes in history. He ended up getting twenty five stitches. Yeah, but that was stone. in the latter part of the. Fight. Oh no 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 no! I'm not I'm not saying oh. I'm saying I'm saying he never came back. Meaning. What I said on the podcast before was, if you know that Badu Jack takes the first half of the fight off and comes on late in the second half, then you should punish his body so he can't. And it's like Marcus Brown listened to the podcast. And because destroyed him. He destroyed him. He punished his body. He punished him top to bottom. Soup to nuts. Soup to nuts. It sounds like a soup to nuts. Soup to nuts. He punished, he punished Badu. And I don't know if this is if, if we see more from Badu Jack. I really think this was a tough night for, for TMT promotions because it was a Mayweather promotion. Badu Jack lost. Broner lost. It was just a lose-lose. And the other kid that they had on that, uh, he lost. And he was the exact opposite. And I want to play a clip because I it actually made – I was forced to make a comment because I was so impressed with this kid, Rashid Warren, I think his name is. He fought a French Moroccan for a belt at 119 or 122. And he came out with a subpar performance. And after the fact – he came out and said this. This disappointment, what did you think was the difference in this fight this evening? Uh, I felt like I was doing pretty good in the beginning of the fight. Um, probably after like the fifth or sixth round, I kind of let off the gas, you know, because I was doing a lot of slipping and wasn't making any pay. And I was using my jab a lot, and, you know, I wasn't finishing up with my left hand. And the judges saw it the way they saw it. I thought it was pretty close. But um, he wanted the more, you could tell. Um, he had his foot on the gas, and he was, you know, going out of it. How can you not respect that? I respect this guy, man. This guy came out, and, you know, his, his, his corner man actually was on him. His corner man was like, come on, son, don't do this. You're really you're going to regret this forever if you go, if you leave it here in the corner and not on the ring. The direct opposite of Adrian Broner's corner. Why is Adrian Broner's corner lying to him, talking about you won a round? Because that's why he circles himself with the yes people. Because in this case, they were telling him, I think you won that round. If I was judging it, I would say that you won it. <laughs> but you're not judging it. You're in the corner, and you should see that your man just threw eight punches. He threw or, eight, or landed eight punches or whatever it is. Whatever it was. He was throwing 25 punches a round. He, won, he landed one punch in the 12th round. 
this guy actually this was a really good fight and, and shout out to Showtime Boxing because they did a great job this was a good once card once again yeah once again they really shout out to Steven Espinosa and Showtime they're, they're putting cards together over there and I appreciate it if it wasn't for my distaste for Adrian Broner I actually would have gone out to the fight but I, I I hate that I've even dedicated this much time to confusion to 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 speaking on it. But Benny Pacquiao is the kind of guy I like to 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 watch and speak on, and and for him to benefit financially from the fruits of my labor. So uh, Broner got me this time. <laughs> you got me, dog. I had to I have to wear that. I got to take that, oh boy. Sometimes when you want to support somebody, you just got to take it. Cause <laughs> learned that from Ice. And yeah, so. You know, good good uh, good weekend for boxing, and you know, and in that, we'll see what what's up next. I think this weekend coming up, Keith Thurman comes back to the ring against Josecito Lopez, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to see how he does coming off that year long break from an injury. I mean, I think it's going to be. I bet you they throw him right back into the grease come summertime with another big fight because he was the champ. I, I think that uh, yeah, right now you know you got to put him in a situation. Oh yeah, he got to get the ring rust off. Got to no, tune him up, no doubt about it. Before but I, he gets a tune up, but with the, because these young boys right now are ready to go. Yeah, they're hungry. They 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 are ready to go. Um, so you know uh, that's it for for boxing. Wanted to cover that, but then let's get it out. Yesterday was Championship Sunday in the NFL, and I mean that could, was how that about those two games. Two great games. Two great games. OT. OT. Genesis, the rapper. Yeah. You need to cut it. <laughs> Man, that was a that was a fantastic Sunday. I went to church early so that I could get home, settle in, and watch the games, and I wasn't dissatisfied whatsoever. These boys came out to play. It seemed like the Rams had a bit of uh jitters to start the the, the game. Never been there. They never been there. Ty Gurley definitely was shook. You could see it. And yeah. and he and, couldn't even catch the ball. He's the one that cost them that you know, they held tough for that when they when he turned over the ball in the red zone, but he cost them. He hurt him. He hurt the team and and uh you know what? Shout out to to Sean McVay. Because he was willing to bench his superstar until he showed that he was got that had gotten his mind right. He wasn't gonna let the guy who's supposed to win the game for you cost him the game. Exactly. Which was great. One thing I'm really impressed with with McVay, he's willing to make adjustments in the game. Last year, I didn't see that, and that's why they lost to the Falcons in the playoffs. Yeah, because, you know, you you feel like the Rams actually need Todd Gurley to win, and last week, I mean, yesterday, they showed us that they don't. They don't. They don't actually consistently through the season, you need him to win. One game. But one game, I'm not going to let this guy cost me because he's not ready yet. Yeah. And in that, we see that that's just maturation, and now Todd Gurley should be ready for the Super Bowl. And we see a wonderful, wonderful work by the GM. No, not Charles Green. I'm not talking about myself for the fictional show ballers from HBO. Shameless plug. <laughs> Lesney did great work by picking up C.J. Anderson. I mean, they just got C.J. Anderson. And C.J. Anderson, <laughs> C.J. Anderson has championship experience, and it shows. And it showed. He didn't have crazy numbers. It showed the last two weeks. Last week he had crazy numbers. This week he didn't have crazy numbers, but he had key numbers. The problem, once again, comes down to the officiating. The officials were a part of both games. And it has to come – they have to recognize that the people don't watch these games to see the officials. They go to watch the game, the athletes, not the officials. The officials should be a part of it, but they should not be – the official, the official should be seen and not heard. They, they should be their presence should be known but not felt. And it, and it seemed like that they were trying to stand down a little bit, you know, earlier. And then at yeah, the, it, always it felt, at the wrong felt, time, always at the wrong time they get involved. It felt like more of of uh, 
80s style NFL game, 80s, 90s style NFL right. game for most of the game because they were letting them play. It looked like physical football going on out there. As it should. You know, those guys, let these guys play because I'm not, I know that everybody was upset with that Saints call, but um, Peyton messed up anyway because you already have your field goal kicker in range, run the, bo- run the ball, kill the clock, and kick the field goal. There's that, but but let's just be honest. The lack of pa- there's, there's two things. Let's let's go with the first one first. The the safety joiner has got to knock down the ball yes. that hung up in the air for about twenty minutes. Yes, and he, then he he's trying to play like he's like a fielder, like he's a receiver, like, like the ball, like the passes to him, like Drew Brees threw the pass to him. He didn't throw it to you, dude. And Ted Ginn came in front of him and went and got it. And Ted Ginn can't catch, and he and, went and got that. Yeah, and he went and got that one. He, Ted Dan was probably thinking to himself, I can't believe he's not knocking this ball. <laughs> like, thanks. And and it gave him Ted Dan dropped drop like three him. passes before that. That's, drop it again. That's what that's what Pat that's what put them in field goal range and rushing range and so on and so forth. That ball's got to get knocked down. And it was I have to say the the most quality thing that I've ever seen from Akib Talib was he came over and tapped him on the helmet afterwards. Like, hey man, come on, pick your head up. Because everybody in the stadium knew that he blew that. Yeah, and he and Talib is showing leadership. He's showing leadership, and there's I, some growth. More great, another great signing by the by the uh, by the GM. And now with that, it then takes us to the play that's not even in question. The play that clearly blew the game for the Saints. Although there was bad officiating, there was missed face coaching. masks. There was <laughs> terrible coaching that goes down in the NFL. It's just unbelievable to me. But um, there was a play where Drew Brees, as everyone knows, threw a pass where it looked like maybe, what is that, like a wheel route that, that uh, out of the backfield. And honestly, if the corner would have just played the ball, it could have been a pick six for 99 yards. Mm-hmm. Instead, he blasted the receiver, who was the running back, a good three seconds before. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? He said I'm about to. I'm no, but I'm I'm about to play what Sean Pre- what, what Sean Payton said after the after it. Well, the, what did he say? The actual DB said he did it on purpose to get the to not much. give up the touchdown. Yeah, to not give up the touchdown. He said, "I'd rather really." Yeah. And he said, and he said he and he said he looked at the refs when he got up, and they picked, you saw him look at the refs. He looked at the refs. He said he looked at the refs. They didn't say anything. He just ran. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he started to celebrate. It was pretty interesting. Uh-huh. Let's hear what Sean Payton said about it. Obviously, it's a disappointing way to lose a game. Um, frustrating, you know, just getting off the phone with the league office. They blew the call. And, uh, man, there are a lot of opportunities, though. But that call puts in first and ten. We're on an E3 plays. And it's a game-changing call. And that's where it's at. So it's disappointing. Credit uh, the Rams. They made enough plays, though. They won the game. The kicker made some big kicks. But for a call like that not to be made, man, it's just hard to swallow. And then to get a phone call. Um, someone turn it off a little bit. Anyway, so what do you do? You get you get back up and you start um, going to work. This will be a tough one for these players, for the coaches. And again, uh, Rams did a great job. It was a well-fought game, hard, hard-fought game. But any questions? Sean Payton is devastated, and I actually think this marks the end of the the Houdat dynasty under this particular. What I saw from Drew Brees, I, I love Drew Brees. Drew Brees says he's coming back, as he should. Drew Brees is a stud. If he can come back from that shoulder separation, he can come back from anything. You ain't lying, but. 
what I saw from Drew Brees with a couple, because that was a terrible pass on the pass, both the pass to Ted Ginn and the pass that that was pass interfered that they didn't call were mm-hmm. terrible passes. Terrible passes. De- lame ducks. Lame duck presidency. Mm-hmm. They, the four years just, of cheat Uh-huh. Just floaters. And, you know, he doesn't have the arm, but Peyton Manning showed that you can get away with that. And he has two. But he uh, didn't have the defense that Peyton Manning had. Peyton Manning had hardcore D. Yeah. But and but they have two above running back, two above average running backs. And if with those two above average running backs, they can stay competitive for a long time. Yeah, they can. It just, but I don't think they're going to win. I don't either. I didn't, I didn't think they were going to win yesterday anyway. Because Sean Payton, although he's been to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl before, he makes bad decisions as well. Just like he, just like he did yesterday. If you run the clock down, forget about the pass. Because the, we saw something similar to that in the Rams next game that we're going to talk about. One timeout or no timeouts? I think one. I think they have one timeout. Maybe one. Maybe even, one. even so, time off the clock. Yeah. But you kill the clock when you don't complete a pass. And you shouldn't, you know, and even though it was pass interference, don't pass the ball. Don't hit my line. <laughs> or put an onion on a plate and I'll call it a souffle. souffle. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, so many coaches make so many bad decisions. I'm not a coach, so it's hard to say. But some of this stuff just looks Suspect. really, really obvious. And it's uh, – but at the same time, there's just no way to overestimate that call. You just can't – there's no way to overestimate it. And you just hate the fact that the officials get involved. But just like Sean Payton said, clutch kicking by Greg Zerline. And I think that that's going to be a huge factor when it comes to the Super Bowl. Being able to count on a kicker, and especially they're playing indoors, that's a big, big deal. A big deal. That 57-yarder he kicked was honestly probably good from 65-70. I would give you give him a seventy footer, that, literally that foot. It was real, and it was ice water in his veins, as they say. <laughs> what is a seventy footer? Seventy yards. Oh, but they give but, him a seventy footer on the yard. But yeah, and they, call it. They they uh, that was a big, big clutch kick. Um, I don't know. I just hate to see it go down like that. And you see Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley making put, fun of him. Everybody making fun. It's all jokes. This isn't funny. Poor officiating is is intolerable. And then that takes us to the next game, ladies and gentlemen. You have never in life seen. You can't call me and name for me a luckier franchise than the New England Patriots. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I'm talking about yesterday. They called roughing the passer on Tom Brady while he had the football. Well, even if he did. I'm supposed to rough the passer while he has the well, football. Even if he, but you're not allowed to touch him. Come on, dude. It's Tom Brady. Wow, what a voice. And then, and the very soft voice for Tom. Thank and you. then and Tom doesn't a soft dude. And then on top oh. of that, everything. You just line it up. Chris Hogan's ball clearly touched the ground and moved. He did not have control he, of that. You ball. don't have control of the ball. I can even sometimes the ball touches the ground. You still have control. You can see it. That ball touched the ground and it moved. How about Julian Edelman? The ball touched Julian Edelman. Thumb and it was made on the call was made on the field. There was not indisputable evidence that it did not touch him. Yes, and, and then let's just keep rolling them back. Jesse James catches a ball. He can't get to the end zone. The next play from the one yard line. Big Ben, ben Roethlisberger, arguably top three quarterbacks of the last 30 years throws a pick to to seal them going to the to the to the Super Bowl the tuck rule it all starts with the tuck rule Charles Woodson one of the most clutch players in football history 
makes a play on Tom Brady that causes a fumble, and they call it a pass. The Once again, the NFL acknowledges that it was wrong, but it doesn't do anything except for spark the dynasty and in, infuriate Raiders fans throughout the world. And then let's go to Isanti Samuel dropping the pass. Asante Samuel drops a court, drops a, a surefire pick in the Super Bowl. He doesn't get it done. Then let's let's go to Marshawn Lynch can't get the ball on the one yard line for some reason when they 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 could have ran the ball and still had a timeout if it didn't work. How about the Atlanta Falcons? Atlanta Falcons are up twenty eight to three and refuse to run the clock out in the third quarter. Then you can take it even past that and go back to yesterday's game. You got a meathead who lines up in the neutral zone. He doesn't jump, so I don't want to hear about, oh, Tom Brady knew he was in the neutral zone, so the play wouldn't have counted. No, he lined up in the wrong spot. Tom Brady throws a pick. The guy, the defender actually finally clutches up and makes the interception. Which would have been his third of the game. And would have canceled the game. The game would have been over. They could have ran out the clock. But no, you got a guy with no discipline lining up on the wrong spot of the field. That's from the coach. And then we top it off with the coach, Andy Reid, who's saving his timeouts as if they are a video game. We play the video game. Uh, Andy Reid starts off the game. Andy Reid starts off the game. And defers. Ready to lose. (laughs) You know you have a suspect defense. No, I don't. It's great. And you defer to the greatest quarterback of all time, arguably. Why? Why keep that defense on? And you saw them have to pay for that in the overtime period. They paid. But he had three timeouts. He didn't use one. They even got down there to the red zone. And then they got down there strategy. first and goal, and he didn't call a timeout. What are you doing? They are completely gassed. Take away the slant from Julian Edelman and take away just, just take away the one-on-one with Grunk Juice. And you beat them. And you beat them. They don't have any receivers out there. The only receiver that they have out there that can give you partial separation is Philip Dorsett. Other than that, everybody is a possession receiver. Julian Edelman runs crossing routes. They run pick plays. This is what's so crazy about it because I saw Bill Belichick on the sideline throwing his tablet and pissed off and everything because they got caught on a pick play, which gave Damian Williams that touchdown. But they are the they, ones. They're the king of the they're pick They're the play. ones who. Of the illegal pick yeah, play. Of the illegal pick play. Unbelievable. And everybody loves it until it's their turn. Well, it's never the Patriots' turn. <laughs> That's the part of Well, it. it's going to be their turn the, coming up because the Rams got them. This is just, I mean, you can just keep going on and on and on with the Patriots. You look at all of these different points, and it's just, it's, it's, I, you're talking about a 20 year period of absolute dominance through luck in a lot of ways. I mean, I just, I just can't. I don't understand. They want to give them credit. I'm giving them credit in the sense, just like how we talked about Floyd Mayweather, they're always prepared. Yes. And they're always prepared. And Tom Brady is always prepared. You know, one of the things that I, w- I was talking about during the game is that what people don't recognize about the Patriots, well, I'm sure they do recognize it, is that everybody makes mistakes in the games. They just keep theirs to a minimum. They keep theirs and, to a minimum. And then when you don't exploit it, once they do make a mistake, then you pay. And if the refs make a bad bad call to top that off, you're screwed. You're screwed. And they're going to make bad calls for the Patriots. Because I, I I even beg to differ with the with where they put placed the ball after Julian Edelman, after the ball went off his thumb slash yeah, forearm. Yes. Why is it on the 30? First of all, it should have been a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I don't understand. But then when they spotted the ball, I would like to see where the the proper spot was supposed to be because it looked like it was closer to the 30. And they gave it to him at like the 40. Yeah, No, they gave it to him at the 30, but it looks like that guy who picked it up, I think it was Sorensen maybe, picked it up. He was probably around the 20. Once it bounced off of Julian Edelman, his momentum was taking him towards the end zone. He actually picked it up past Julian Edelman, who was at the around the 30. Right. Good point. So, I, I mean, I right. just – So even the spot was off. So even the spot was off. But this is when you're playing the Patriots. There's so much that goes their way that you get distracted. You can't even. It's it's like watching the the 45 administration. The whole thing is such a train wreck. You're so distracted by so many things that are going the wrong way. So many moving parts, right? Yeah, that you you can't even pinpoint just one. Yesterday, watching yesterday's game was astounding. The beauty and the magic and the brilliance of Bill Belichick is he is able to mask for a certain amount of time his lack of high end personnel. With his coaching preparation and uh, diligence. They shut out the Chiefs in the first half. That's unheard of. Yes. But they shut them out in the first half, which was only just because Andy Reid got outcoached. Well, and, and in the Andy- second half... The, the talent actually comes shows up. Well, it's just like we just spoke about a few seconds ago. He set himself up for failure for deferring. You, why would you defer to Tom Brady? And not only that, I have the number They're one. They're not off- a team to play from behind at this point. Well, and not only that, I have the number one offense in football. Why and, do I not want the ball? And I ha- also have one of the worst defenses in football. So why would I put my defense in a bad situation off so the let's, top? Let's get, let's get this shootout popping. Yeah. So let me get ahead of these guys, which Bill Belichick, they stated that Bill Belichick was very, very, he was very, very happy to get the ball because he wanted to make sure that they didn't get down early. So what you do, even if he scrambled your eggs for the first quarter, I don't know if he could have at that point if you received the ball. No, I don't know if he could have. I don't know if he could keep have. their defense on the side. Keep Tom Brady. I mean, keep their defense on the field longer. Keep Tom Brady on the sideline in fifteen degree weather, and let him let it fall where it may. But at this point, you give him the opportunity to score first, and that's what they did. I said it in the last podcast that they were going to use ball control, a la Bill Parcells, Bill Parcell, and run the ball and kill kill the clock. Parcells, I think it's Parcells, Parcells is actually. Is <laughs> yes, Bill Parcells. And kill the clock. That's what they did the first quarter. They held the ball, what, for eight or nine minutes the first the yeah. first Yeah, first drive. First drive. And then on top of that, we've seen Tom Brady now play probably 50 playoff games. Maybe 30, he's played probably at least three or four extra seasons of playoff games. Maybe, let's say, let's say 25 playoff games we've seen Tom Brady play, right? In all of those games, Tom Brady has shown you that he will torch you if there's not any pressure. They didn't get any pressure, no sacks. Tom Brady, you want to let him sit back and and basically pick you apart. Well, this is the reason why I do believe that the Rams will be able to beat them because the Rams will be able to put pressure on them. And not only that, the Rams have above-average corners in Marcus Peters and Tlaib, and they have a nice safety, and they have Johnson and Littleton and middle linebacker and, and whatnot. So they'll be able to complement what the – They'll cut off those those crossing routes to a minimum, of course. But they can also control the game with C.J. Anderson and Ty Gurley. There's a lot that they can do. And also, whether it's that fake punt or whatever it is, Sean McVay, I don't get the feeling he's going to be scared. No. I think Sean McVay is ready to go. I think he has two weeks to prepare, which, as we know, is very, very dangerous facing the Belichick team because Belichick is, is, uh, is, is going to be prepared, but he's outmatched. I feel the same way about this matchup that I felt about the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I feel like the, that the, the, the Rams number- are a superior team. Uh, the Rams' defense really showed up in the second half yesterday when they got the jitters out. 
and and I think that they're going to show up in this game, and that superior personnel is going to come to play. And honestly, I think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, I really believe that. Yeah, I, I believe it as well. And just like I said, because they have better talent and they're well coached, and the biggest thing is just to get the jitters out. And once they get the jitters out, I think that they'll be able to perform at the, the highest level. And Bill Belichick, you know, he's great at coming up with game plans to try to – once you figure out his game plan like you stated before, after the half, then you'll be able to make those adjustments and dominate. But I feel like the Rams can dominate off the top because what they have with the two running backs – And the Rams should be able to defer or receive. Yes. Two running backs. There won't be a factor. No. And then you have decent tight ends and you have an above-average defense now. So I, that's what you need to beat them, and you have a and people don't want to give Jared Goff credit, but Jared Goff is actually good. <laughs> He's Jared above Goff's average. Been getting the job done. Yeah. He got the job done yesterday. Yeah, he did. And, and that was what out and that was out top, without Todd Gurley. And this is going to be interesting to see what Belichick throws at him because he's going to try to rattle him. You know, yeah. That. But you know, he he likes to take away what you have, whatever you call your centerpiece. But yes. the Rams have a lot of centerpieces. They can. Yeah. And Josh Reynolds was big yesterday, and I don't think that he'll probably get enough credit for it. But playing out of the slot yesterday, he was big. Yeah. I mean, in the tight situations, he what grabbed like a seventeen yarder. Or well, and then on top of that. You can't uh, overstate the fact that the Rams were on the verge of getting blown out. They were. <laughs> it could have went the wrong way for the Rams yesterday. And and look what they did. They stopped them in the red zone. They held them to field goals. They have Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, um, Michael Thomas, and Drew Brees. That's a lot of offense. That's a lot of offense that they stopped. Drew Brees is the, the number one passer in history now. <laughs> Drew Brees puts it up. Over Tom Brady. So... I mean, I, for me to believe that they can't beat Tom Brady, I think it's more important to in match. In the loudest stadium in football. Yeah. I, I've been there. But I believe that in order, you know, you're beating Bill Belichick more, so you would be beating Bill Belichick more than you would be beating Tom Brady. Just have to have a disciplined game. Yeah, disciplined. And, and this is something that I am concerned about because the Rams have a little bit of that Oakland Raiders in them because they, they make some really stupid penalties and in big situations. Uh, yeah, you know what though. Yesterday they they tamped it down a little bit. Not really because that penalty should have cost them the game. But, but the, they they do that. But the theater of it all tells me that they want to pass the torch also because perhaps Ma- because McVay is the 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 golden child now. You know. Yep. And how about Pat Mahomes? This kid Pat Mahomes is a big time ball player, Jack. And they say he's going to be the first one lined up in the NFL history to get a two hundred million dollar deal. And I am here for it. I I, I want this young get man to get paid. He is a stud. He is. He's going to change the way that football is played. Yeah, he sure is. And I, I, I said it before is that he plays baseball. I mean, he plays football, the quarterback position, like a shortstop. Yeah. You know, those sidearm passes and everything, he goes, he, he makes throws on the run that most guys can't make. Yep. And you can't, that's just not a football play. Yeah. That's more like a baseball play. Yeah. And you see Russell Wilson do it as well, also uh-huh. a baseball player. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Pat Mahomes' baseball uh, history is. But moving on, obviously you guys can tell I'm not a big fan of Boston sports, not a big fan of the Patriots. It just disgusts me that the system always favors one group. It really bothers me. Um, you just want to see the games called straight up. Straight up. Straight up, homie. That's it. And then uh, going down under real quick, Roger Federer got ousted. Ended his uh, 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 his streak at the Australian Open. He's six-time Australian Open champ. Ended his streak of, I think, three straight years in the finals of the semis. And... You know what? It was one of these. Speaking of passing the torch, there's a lot of that that I think potentially will happen this year in 2019 on the tennis tour, because you got the young kid Francis Tiafoe making noise tonight. He's playing Rafael Nadal 
at midnight West Coast time. That's going to be a good match. I actually don't expect Francis to win, but this is going to be a great experience for him in the quarterfinals I think they're in to face, you know, arguably the greatest player of all time. I, I, one of the things about the young young people now, which I really like, is that they don't even know history like that. And so it seems like, in retrospect, it seems like some form or fashion that they don't respect it. So they don't go in intimidated by I don't. I agree with you on certain elements, but I don't agree with you with that in tennis. Everybody, these guys were children and started playing. It's like Pat Mahomes is a kid and was, and Jared Goff, these guys were kids watching Tom Brady break in. So they may not know who Dan Marino is. But they know who put Tom Brady and Drew Brees are. Mm-hmm. If the, the 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 tennis guys may not know who Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe and Rod Laver are, but they know who Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic are. So, but the intimidation. Still, but though. they still no. I agree, but I don't think it, that has to come from them not knowing their history. I think that they just there's a there's a the way that kids are have a confidence in themselves nowadays athletically is what that's about more so than them not knowing their history. My take. Um, but, yeah, so Tsitsipas, he beat the, the Greek fella, beat Roger Federer. Um, I do believe Novak got him a dub, so he's looking for his seventh Australian Open title. Nadal's going to face Francis Tiafo. Um, and then on the women's side, Naomi Osaka came back again and won again. And it looks like she's on a crash course with Serena Williams again because Serena Williams had the match of the year so far, from what I understand, and went the distance with the world number one, Simona Halep. And uh, it's just going down. I sure love the Australian Open. Can't wait to get down to Melbourne. You know, they win like uh, greatest city. They're stated every year is the greatest city to, to live in. And I, I want to see what the hype is all about. But that's all we got for this edition of the Ozone, folks. I uh, just wanted to get some stuff off my chest, primarily about the Patriots. I just can't believe it. I just I just can't believe it. I'm just mind blown. I just, just <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry. So in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we're going to leave you with a very insightful quote about the American Negro in society. I'm your host, Omar Miller. This is the Ozone. Enjoy. What is about the Negro? I mean, every other group that came as an immigrant somehow, not easily, but somehow got around it. Is it just the fact that Negroes are black? White America must see that no other ethnic group has been a slave on American soil. Uh, that is one thing that other immigrant groups haven't had to face. The other thing is that the color became a stigma. American society made the Negroes' color a stigma. America freed the slaves in 19, I mean 1863 through the Emancipation Proclamation of Abraham Lincoln, but gave the slaves no land are nothing in reality, and as a matter of fact, to, to get started on. At the same time, America was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that there was a willingness to give the white peasants from Europe an economic base. And yet it refused to give its black peasants from Africa who came here involuntarily in chains and had worked free for 244 years any kind of economic base. And so emancipation for the Negro was really freedom to hunger. It was freedom uh, to the winds and rains of heaven. It was freedom without food to eat or land to cultivate. And therefore it was freedom and famine at the same time. And when white Americans tell the Negro to lift himself by his own bootstraps, 
they don't oh, they don't look over the legacy of slavery and segregation. I believe we ought to do all we can and seek to lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. But uh, it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. And many Negroes, by the thousands and millions, have been left bootless as a result of all of these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless and degrading.